Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of The Unmanned Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Hey. Can you believe that we're already at Episode 15 of the second season? <laughs> I know. I feel like, I feel like a 15-year-old. <laughs> Why, did Roy Moore hit on you? <laughs> Although, feeling like a 15-year-old isn't anything... One. Unusual. Uh, Maddie and me have come to saying to to Lauren, Mommy, you married a 15 year old. Yeah. (laughs) Times three and then a little bit. Yeah. Well, in your behavior, you're. Well, I guess we're all trapped in our 15 year old selves listening to Van Halen (sighs) and thinking about whatever 15 year olds think about. I do want to point out, though, you know, our, our. our love for Van Halen is well established and it was clearly, you know, that era of the mid eighties clearly had an impact on us. And there were some yeah. questionable things. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics of Van Halen, you look at the hot for teacher video. I mean, they're given, given the era, which we're in, there were definitely yeah. some questionable things that were going on. It's embarrassing. It's, embarrassing it, it, it's, it's a little embarrassing, back. but one of the things I'm proud of is yes. unlike, so many other major media outlets and and Hollywood. Yeah. The Men Corner clearly has its its procedures in place. This is a respectful yeah. work environment. We have not had any claims of sexual harassment by anyone associated with the Men Corner, and and not I think we should staff. be none of the staff. Yeah, uh, none of the That's writers. Uh, in all fairness, in all fairness, though. We do pay a lot of hush money. <laughs> and the NDAs that we have are ironclad. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll stop getting their, their, you know, weekly delivery of Zabars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is nothing to know. joke about. I don't know. Lauren told me that you've been saying some things to her recently that are crossing the line. <laughs> So well, I'm we have putting, had that discussion because we met at the office. What if she didn't like me? And I right, liked we her. We talked about this. We talked yeah. about this. Or what if she What if she wasn't sure and you were just being your nice self right. and she perceived it as you being a creep because she had gotten hit on by seven other right. guys in your office who actually were creeps. That's right. Or even if three of them were creeps and four of them weren't, but... The overwhelming amount of people hitting on her just got her to the point where she's like, the next person who talks to me, I'm going to fucking punch in the face. <laughs> but instead, it was you. And she married uh, you. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? <laughs> so, um, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. This is, this is, week of, this is shithole week. Every week is shithole <laughs> week ever since. No, but this, is, this is articulated shithole week. And, and I just want to say that I was under the impression that yeah. Donald Trump's uh, casinos in Atlantic City were real shitholes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the shithole king. Trump he, University. He, that was a shithole university. That's a shithole university. His, his toilets. His toilets are gold. <laughs> so. His steaks. I mean, shitty. His wine. Have you ever had no, any of this? Stuff? No, but people say no. I read the reviews. I read the reviews. The the reviews of his steaks are in and they're not they're good. They're not good. His wine, Trump wine, bleh, shitty. What, what about Trump water? <laughs> Trump water. Shitty Probably water. Probably has fecal matter in it. It's out of his gold toilet. 
Yeah. He's a fuck. You know, I, I have a question, though, about shitty countries. Yes. Because many Jews are now walking around saying that they, too, came from shitty countries right. once upon a time because life in the shtetl wasn't good. the of settlement was shitty, right. quite frankly. So now my question is, my father came from Germany, which is not technically a shitty country. Right. It was shitty to Jews. Okay. So that's the next part. <coughs> so since he, came, since he came from Nazi Germany, right. could it be considered that that was a shitty country at the time? I would say yes. I, I say yes. So I guess I, too, come from a shitty country. But, I mean, do the people who, who live in Poland now think of their country as shitty? Because that's where lots of our, that's where my no. mother's family came from. No. But it was a shitty country. It was definitely a shitty country. Back in the day, it was shitty. Right. Now, he asked the question, like, well, we want more people from Norway. Why aren't people from Norway coming here? Guess what? Because to them, this, this is, is a shitty, shitty country. country. <laughs> <laughs> there's no health care. There's race People problems. There's out-of-control no police violence. The infrastructure and violence. Forget, sucks. Forget police violence. Just random citizen violence. <laughs> right. it's, I mean, why, if you were from Norway, would you want to fucking come here now? Yeah, there's northern European countries. I was in Denmark, which isn't Norway, but it's close, so close enough. And <laughs> Physically, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I stepped off the plane. I got on the train that was perfectly on time The train to, to downtown Copenhagen. The train was not onerously expensive expensive it whisked me to downtown Copenhagen where I Copenhagen. Copenhagen where I could walk or rent a bike or something to my hotel I mean it was just it was a pleasant no you, no, you can't do that in the United States and so it why would any shitty. Dane want to make uh make the, make, Aliyah? make Aliyah to this <laughs> to, to to the United States I mean, ridiculous shit at it's this clearly, point. That's clearly a non shitty country. It's definitely a non shitty country. Jesus Christ. Clearly a non shitty country. I muted my phone. When you mute your phone, how come how come it's uh how come I still get the, the text chunk? Oh, whatever. Anyway. Because you need to you need to shut off all those yeah. controls within your phone. Yeah. Within the app. Yeah. So I'm turning it off. Just turning it off. Yeah, just just turn just it turning off. Just turning it off. Um, um, yeah, so, so it turns out that we're the shitty country. <laughs> we are the shitty country. <laughs> we suffer from natural disasters that we can't recover from because we have no proper infrastructure or functioning local governments. We have no functioning um, federal government. And we have no functioning federal government. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, Meanwhile, I think that there are, there are other countries that are going to start saying when... At the influx of Americans, they don't want. Like, no, they don't want we people don't, from that shitty people country. From, from shitty shithole countries. <laughs> Sorry, your country's a shithole. I mean, I don't and even. Look at your president. I have to be honest with you. It was something. That, it was something you said. You said, "Well, why is everybody outraged by this? This is perfectly in, in character with what the president has been saying from the day he announced his run for the presidency." They're bringing yeah, drugs. They're bringing rapists. I mean, this is. I mean, well, everything we, that he has said. Starting yeah. from the time that he announced his run for presidency, plus his long family history, all the <laughs> way up until today, there is every indication that President Trump is a racist. The fact yeah. that people are like, holy crap, he called people from – he doesn't want people from shithole countries, but he wants them from lily white countries like Norway. Why is this shocking? Why did – I mean this is just normal course of Donald Trump's thoughts every single day. 
I don't think we can use the words normal <laughs> right. for us. Well, normal for him. Donald Trump. Usual. Well, typical. Right. right. So, again, like I said, it wasn't surprising. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. But I feel like there are two couple things going on. One, every week or every half week, it's like, oh, we've hit a new low. How much lower can we go? Right. We're, there is no bottom. Right, there is no bottom. It just gets this. worse. We're going to keep going right. lower. It's not a question of how much lower. It's just how much more is he going to get away with. And then the other part of that, the, the, the flip side of that coin is the media, and I've said this from, for a long time, and we've talked about this, about how complicit the media has right. been in normalizing right. this. Two days before the shithole comment, he had that televised photo op. Right. Or, or staged a cabinet meeting where he yep. uttered four consecutive semi-coherent sentences. <laughs> so on CNN, they were talking about the, the great pivot <laughs> right. that we've been waiting they for They have to give up on this pivot he nonsense. Was so, he was so presidential. Okay, so he got through one meeting where he didn't fling poo at the wall. <sighs> And now we're congratulating him on being presidential. Well, then, we got to get past. We got to get past that idea. That and I mean, again, the bar has been set so low for him that anything he does, short of starting a nuclear war, is considered a success. Let me point out two things about that meeting. One, it actually it actually wasn't a cabinet meeting. It was a meeting with Republican and Democratic leaders to discuss okay, DACA. Right. But he his. It, Yes, he strung four sentences together. However, he completely contradicted himself six times in those four questions, in those four sentences. Yeah, that's to the point where Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House leader, had to say, "No, no, 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 no!" no," and pull him back. I mean, he. Yeah, we don't mean that. You don't mean that. You don't mean that. And then. Well, he has no grasp of policy. It's very clear. (laughs) He's never read anything, and he has no interest in policy. He's clearly bored by this whole thing and wants to be up in his room watching television and eating KFC. <laughs> it's and it, it only that actually doesn't sa- that doesn't sound like a bad thing. By the way. <laughs> I don't remember what my second thing was, but it, again, reinforces what we know from the Wolf Book and what we all knew anyway was that he wasn't running for president to win and lead the country. He was running for president to make himself wealthy, something which he actually well, isn't. So I don't doubt that he wanted to win because he wants to win. Well, he's a narcissistic he lunatic, but. He, right, he, he viewed he, losing as winning because it was this new Trump brand and this, that. But still, thing. he wanted to win the election. Right. And if he wasn't going to win, he was going to dispute the results anyway. And he was going to claim that he won. He always, that's all he ever wants. Right. He doesn't actually want to do the hard work of governing. And of course not. And he's not, as the president, the doing the hard work of governing. I mean, you know, it's hard to govern when you're golfing <laughs> one third of the days that you're in office and when you watch TV four to eight hours a day. <laughs> I mean, that requires a serious commitment. Dude, what are he's, you doing? Four to eight a hours semi- a day of TV. He's a semi-retired 71-year-old. <laughs> That's right. What are you playing golf and watching, and watching TV. Fox News? Every day is a Saturday for the president. He is, he, I mean, think about it. He has executive it. time till 11. Like, he takes his first meeting at 11 and he wraps up by 6. He's just like those schmuck doctors who have retired to Florida and, you know, see a few patients on the side. They watch Fox News, they get angry, and they play golf. That's it, except he doesn't have their, their pedigrees. He doesn't have their intellect. Yeah, because he's from a shithole country. 
He's from a shithole family. Uh, is what he's from. Seriously, I mean, the, the whole, the outrage, I can understand people are outraged that he articulated that, but honestly, there's nothing shocking about what he said. Exactly. Nothing. I mean, and then, you know, I can't even watch some of these apologists and, and spin doctors coming on to say, like, this isn't about race, it's about economics. Bullshit. Bullshit. What's that, Bullshit. what's that fat fuck's name? Uh, what's it, Jason Wait. Miller? I don't know. Uh, I was flipping through channels. I saw him. I, it's the reason why I stopped on him is every now and again I see him walking around the neighborhood where my office is, and I'm so tempted to be like, "You," and just unload on him. But I think that you should. But it's very unprofessional. I guess I'm, it's very unprofessional. I mean, you know, there's people kind of who I interact council members, things like that. I don't know. You know what? He should be. He should be exposed for yeah, what he is, and forget about professionalism. And I mean, they don't play by rules. Yeah, Why should it's you true. Play by rule? It's true. It's true. You know, is your is your boss going to get angry at you for calling a fascist uh, enabler a fascist enabler? No, I guess not. Exactly. So stick it to the man. Stick it. Stick it to the man. <laughs> stick it to the man. Sticking to man, I Sticking to the man. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about yeah. this week, um, you had an interesting meeting that uh, I think we should share yeah. because there's a lot to talk yeah. about. Yeah, so um, I had a meeting, an informal meeting. Uh, a get-together. A get-together over coffee with uh, a, a, coffee. a prominent professional Jew in Washington, D.C., Quite prominent professional Jew. So when you're a professional Jew, do you get like some sort of certification <laughs> that says like Jew? No. It's like your your Jew diploma. No, but you're you know, you are you are a leader. You are a leader yeah. of a Jewish communal leader. A Jewish communal leader. You're not yeah. you're not a, a man or woman of the cloth, but you are right. a leader in the alphabet leader. soup of <laughs> Jewish organizations. And this is a pretty this is a pretty prominent one. Anyway, he, in, in the in the in the Aleph soup, the Aleph bet, if the Aleph Shin bet soup of oh god, wow, uh, wow, that was rough. Um, yeah, and uh, I was uh, it was a our friend Evan Traeger Muni, who is a dedicated Amen Corner listener. I think he listens on his commute to Jerusalem. Uh, let's give Evan a quick shout. Let's give Evan hey, Evan. Evan a shout out. Hey, Evan. What's up, man? I, I hope that drive to Jerusalem isn't killing you today. Anyway, um, Evan put us together. Literally. literally. <laughs> you know, when he gets stoned on the way to work, he really gets stoned on the way to work. <laughs> Dude, I should WhatsApp him. Dude, you get stoned this morning? Uh, I got stoned on the way to work. Bummer. Look at, this cut. Look at the cut in my head from the broken glass. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is this something anyway, they laugh about? <laughs> you know, I commuted with him one day and the when I was in when I was in the Holy Land in in the spring of twenty sixteen and I'm you know, it, the road that he takes is one that was built and it, it, it does cut through parts of the West Bank and he lives right. you know, in between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And the road was originally it wasn't one of these roads that was just for Israeli Jews. Right. Uh, it was also to be shared. But after um the second Intifada, those roads became this road became more patrolled and I think you there was there are security checks before West Bank Palestinians can use it and so they don't use it. 
And so for right, all intents so purposes, it, it is only for Israeli. And so, so we were so driving it. it wasn't built that way. It wasn't built that way, but it but turned, it turned out that way. And so, and yeah. there's a security fence along it and watchtowers. And so, so essentially it is only for right. Israeli Jews. And so yeah. I was taking pictures of it and, you know, Evan is a, Evan is a, a, a big liberal and he was like, you know, I drive this all the time and then... Your reaction to it, though, kind of shook me out of my kind of complacency and like everydayness about it. Because I'm taking yeah. pictures and I'm like, "Holy shit!" And holy shit! And whatever. Anyway. Well, he's he's normalized it. Well, I, yeah. I, look, you know, if it's if that's the easiest way to get to work, I guess you know that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we actually last summer or two summers ago were on that road mm-hmm. um, when we drove from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and. The other day, we were talking about something funny that happened in the car that evening when we were driving, and the kids made up lyrics to some song uh, about my mom. Right. And uh, the other day, Jordan... Wait, was like, I just want to realize- pause there for a second. You see that, yeah. Nana? You're not the only Nana who gets made fun of. Okay, go ahead. That's true. All, all, all grandmothers get made fun of. Uh, and Jordan was like, you realize that that song was written in the West Bank. I'm like, really? Like, do we have to go there with everything? Like, just let it be. Like, just let it go. Well, so no, anyway, I, think, go I think my, my kind of like, well, you know, the, not that this was the first time I'd been there. I, of course, I had lived in, lived in Ramallah, but I lived in Ramallah pre-separation wall, barrier, right. apartheid wall, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and so I think this kind of my, I, I think it, Evan kind of became renewedly uncomfortable over over this road. Not uncomfortable that I was uncomfortable, but uncomfortable at the situation. Right. Anyway. So anyway, so Evan and I have had long conversations about my kind of alienation and disaffection for organized Judaism in the United States. Um, Lauren and I... I thought you only had those conversations with me. <laughs> now I'm jealous. I'm sorry. Now I'm, I'm, jealous, of, now I'm jealous of Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, I had belonged... We, we had belonged to the synagogue in in, in the... DC area for a couple of years and that I, I for a variety of reasons I couldn't I, I could no longer continue. One of it was that right. my Jewish values were getting wrapped around politics and specifically kind of right leaning Israeli politics. And that's not why I was yeah. going to why I was going to community to synagogue. I wanted to be spiritually nourished. I didn't want to be propagandized about going to the APAC policy conference or so that was that was the tenor of that the was the tenor of, of of everything of the at synagogue at like so it was by the leadership the leadership made a conscious choice right. that they were right. going to drag the congregation to the room. right and then the, you know there were other alternatives none of them seemed much better because all every all these synagogues seemed to wrap politics and then you know we looked at the reconstruction of synagogue too like granola crunchy like right. in the other direction kind of thing for me so anyway right. and then and just the whole idea and we've talked about this a lot the whole idea of self-appointed leaders of the community who don't speak for us anyway right. so evan so you went to meet with i this went to guy. meet with this guy and we had this conversation and there was actually much more agreement about what the problems were than disagreement um yeah. except it struck me that there was, and this guy struck me as he's he's younger, he's dynamic. Um, uh-huh. I think that and you, I ahead. think that he's willing to 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 speak out. But I also think I detect whether you generously want to call this 
you know, being diplomatic or not so generously call it fear, that there are a lot of people like this out there. People who are in the community who question the way in which the terms of the debate have been framed by the self-anointed leader, uh, uh, an older generation, but they're afraid to speak out. Because unless you agree with certain things and the and the and the posts keep moving. So now unless you are completely on board with Likud and what they're doing in Israel, whether it is annexation of the West Bank, whether it's in in service of annexation of the West Bank, silencing opposition groups, silencing non-governmental organizations, uh, establishing penalties for people who receive money from organizations or for organizations that the government doesn't like, that you're anti-Israel, that you are not, you're not sufficiently Jewish. The the curtailing of of democracy in Israel is what you're you're talking about. And that's how specifically, but more specifically, you know, Netanyahu has been prime minister for a long time. Longer than any other Israeli leader. Yeah. Including Big Morgan. Is it 2009 yeah. that he... So nine years, office? and then he had a previous turn as prime minister right. between tw- uh, 96 and 99. Yeah, so he is now the longest-serving prime minister in the history of Israel. And essentially, especially in the, in the last decade, and it's probably gone on longer, the organized American Jewish community, when it talks about Israel, is only accepting of the government yeah. behind. right. That's the only, when you say I'm pro-Israel, and I actually once asked one of my friends who, uh, we had this almost surreal conversation in 2012 when Obama was running against Mittens for president, (coughs) Uh, and he said that he was going to support Romney because Romney was more pro-Israel. Right. And, And I was like, well, okay, explain to me. I had a few problems with that statement. I said, but explain to me what pro-Israel means to you. Right. And, and he said anything the government well, right. of Israel and this wants. Is, we discussed this. This guy and I right. discussed this yeah. because yeah. we were talking. Anything the government of Israel wants, it means that's what, right. we're, that's what we should so be doing. So this leadership, my former rabbi, yeah. who I liked at a personal level, I, you know, I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was inappropriate to call on people to go to the APEC policy conference from the BEMA during high holidays. But, you know, yeah. but his view... This is this is former rabbi, and I think this is the view of a lot of people in this self-anointed leadership, both lay and yeah. and religious, yeah. is that we need to support Israel no matter what, no matter what they do. Israel deserves our support as American okay. Jews. And to me, and, that- I, and this is what I said to this guy. I said, you know, it's crazy to me is by dint of the fact that I somehow share religious, allegedly share religious values with these people, or I'm told I share religious values, no, but of course many religion. of them don't consider me to be a Jew. Right, because you're not observant. I'm not observant. Um, right. That somehow I'm supposed to line up with them when they pursue, when they actually hold values that make me blanch. Right, I, but you know, there's Because we're co-religionists, I'm supposed to line up shoulder to shoulder with people whose values I totally reject. That to me is fucking insane. That you're never going to get me to do that. Just because that guy also had a bris and a bar mitzvah doesn't mean that I'm you're going to get me to line up with someone who in advocates violence, annexation, transfer of populations, 
the 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 undermining of civil rights and democratic rights in in Israel. I, it, it, it just and and, and 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 the accentuation of the violence and and expropriation of Palestinian land for some messianic view. That's not going to happen. Not, Don't not ask to me cult, to do that. Cultural, not, not to mention cultural supremacy. Uh, My falafel is better than your falafel. Which is also well, they're advocating that our civilization right. is more worthy than theirs. So, so it's. Uh, and, and that's essentially, when you break it down, that's what the American Jewish self-anointed leadership and the less responsible rabbinic community wants us to do. And I just well, refuse. First of, there, there, I'm a refusenik. Right? You are a refusenik, <laughs> and one day you're, you're going to be, you're already close to the outside, outside of the, the communal tent, as they call it. But it's no surprise that the Orthodox, who are at the forefront of the of this do not share any of the same yeah. values that you and I have. Yet I'm asked to so, line up with them. Fuck that. Yeah. And you know, there's one exception to this. It's now an iron rule or iron law that American Jews need to line up behind the Israeli government. You know, whatever position the Israeli government advocates for, we should be lined up behind it. Which, there's by the way, isn't true. Time, well, there was one period of time where this did not hold. Yep. And that was when Rabin was exactly. prime minister, and he was making concessions exactly. in, in order to further the peace process. A subset but of the APAC board. A subset of the yeah, APAC board were, lobbied Congress yeah. against the Israeli government. Yeah, only because this did not fit in with their worldview. So instead of, of saying... I think Yitzhak Rabin kind of knew a thing or two about what's good for Israeli security and for Israel's future. They instead painted him as a traitor right. and essentially uh, helped lay the groundwork for the person who assassinated right. him. And the current prime minister. And who's not the person who assassinated but well, the, the, the but emergence also, of the current also, prime minister yeah. as, as, a, as a leader. Right, so their worldviews are in alignment, right? And and ours are not. Right. Now we and I've had this conversation with my children, you know, certainly at, at, at various points in time over the years. The thing that the quote unquote you know organized American Jewish community does is it is essentially writing a blank check to Israel. It's saying Israel, right or wrong. This is our team, and we're supporting. Except when they want to make I've, peace, right? Except when they want to make and, peace. And but what it, I've always said: How much peace did they really want to make during Oslo? Well, the number of settlers I mean, in the West Bank doubled. So, well, we have but, to qualify least, to make peace it, part. It, yes, but at least they they were. Right. You know, there was a peace process. There was some hope. There was a okay. genuine sense that that there was a. a You're never going to cure my terminal cynicism, but I, I take well, that's it. That's true. Anyway, what I have always said to my kids. Because, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in Israel over the years. Uh, we have family there. We have friends there. We have many. Our, our ties are deep uh, and strong. But what I've talked to my kids about is the difference between us and the Israel right or wrong people is that for them, the fact that Israel exists is the most important thing. Right. And, and they're not overly interested in what kind Israel, of Israel exactly. exists. They just, they just want an Israel to exist. But for us, if Israel does not stand 
for values that we believe in, how can we continue to support to to support right. it? Because it's not just the form of a state that's important, it's the content that makes up the state that's important. And we have always, if you read the, the Israel's Declaration of Independence, which, like all declarations of independence, are aspirational documents more than anything, if Israel could live up to that document, it would be the place that you and I and every American Jew, every liberal American Jew would ha- be happy to support right. Because it does stand for democracy and human rights and and uh, universal values. One one question: When when I yeah. read it, can I do it in my Israeli English? In, in yeah. Israel is the yeah. home of the Jewish people. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to read it in the original. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I only got yeah. to I only got to Kitab Bet in in Hebrew. Yeah, in Hebrew. Because I was mesmerized by my beautiful Ulpan teacher. Shira. Mm. Yes, she was like a song. Mentioned that. Anyway, you mentioned that. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, I interrupted your to, your soliloquy, your yeah. eloquent soliloquy about the the Israel's founding document and it living up to it, and that but, would be something that but, would be great. But, but really, if we're not focused on what kind of state Israel should be, and we're only focused on Israel needs to survive at all costs, then this is what we get. Right. We get people who will support a government that is willing to bash media and the free press and minorities and immigrants and asylum right. seekers and anybody that does, that is not... A is an Israel right or right. wrong, you know, and we see the same thing in America. But I'm, I mean, these are right. these are two these are these are two sides of the same coin. What strikes me about Israel, the way in which the debate has been framed, that the language is of discussing it is changing. So, and the way in which our language here about our politics is changing. The, the, the bars are being lowered. The goalposts are being moved. Things that were no longer acceptable have become acceptable by changing the language. So, like what? Well, so I, put, I, I posted a piece that I did last Sunday about Israel's annexation of the West Bank, the coming annexation, and that the status quo is essentially yeah. a strategy for annexation. And some, a couple of people, but one in particular, with, uh, with whom I went to camp with, said, you know, there is no such thing as occupied territories. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Right? They're not occupied. Yeah. They're disputed, They're disputed. territories. They're not, They're not occupied. occupied. So, yeah. and this is, this is language that has been started out on the way, way, way on the right and has yeah. become part of the mainstream discussion right. of it. The, the U.S. ambassador to Israel, who has financially and politically supported the expansion of settlements, uh, refuses yeah. to utter the words occupied territory. You know what? I in the like same way, in the same way, by the way, that I not long ago heard a very, very, very senior U.S. government official uh, was asked a question about global climate change, would not utter the two words climate change. Yeah. Look, it's 1984. This is 1984. Yeah. There is no climate change. There is change. no climate change. There is, there no, is no occupation. Is, right. I would invite people who say there is no occupation to go to the West Bank for themselves and not on an organized 
tour by the UJA right. or by the you know American Friends of the Settlement Movement or whatever. Right. But spend time in a Palestinian village. Right. Not even a lot of time. Spend one day. Right. Spend one day on the West aren't Bank. You gonna move, aren't you going to move to one? Yeah, my family and I are going to move to Nablus. To Nablus. Pretty. We're, yeah, not, not as settlers. Not as settlers, no. right. We're just, no. We do not want to be settlers. We just want to live in a, in a Palestinian <laughs> town. So we're going to rent like a nice apartment and people will be like, um, what exactly are you doing here? It's like, we heard the homeless uh, was great. The, we're the Goldbergs from Queens. <laughs> and, um, we, we heard that the, you could get good deals on real estate out here and the food is fantastic. The food to die for. So we're just here to hang. <laughs> can you imagine? Like that would freak people Everybody. out. Everybody. People, nobody, first of all, nobody would believe us, right. right? Because who in their right well, mind would Well, this is a strategy that? that the settlers have used. Remember? But that's it. The like Hebron you, yeah, settlers exactly. came for Passover yeah. and stayed in a hotel in and 19, never left in, in 1968. Yeah. We said that. That's right. Mo- Moshe Levenger. He's still there. But, but He is still there. But that would Fucking not be fascist. our intention. Our intention would not be to set right. up a Jewish settlement. It would be just to live there like normal people and like have a job and come home and, you know, watch TV <laughs> and and. You know, and eat peanuts and, you know, have some tea. And that's it. We're not trying to fulfill some messianic vision. We're just trying to get good hummus. Like, that's all we're looking for. Oh, my God. That's really that's really all we want. Uh, that's, all, that's all anybody wants in life that's, is some good hummus. That's really all anyone wants. Some good yeah. hummus. All right. So in, until we can find that good hummus, I think, uh, I think we're, we're going to have to keep looking. Okay. Well, I guess we're out. All right, we're in pursuit of, of hummus. <laughs> That's my mission in right. life now. Exactly. All right, everybody. Keep up the resistance. We're, we're out. out. Find that hummus. Yalla. Yalla.